Twenty minutes later, they were in Max's vintage Beetle, sputtering along Commonwealth Avenue in the growing winter darkness. As they reached the crest of Boston College Hill and began to hurtle downward, two teenagers on bikes suddenly appeared directly in the path of the car. Max swerved to avoid them and, skidding on a patch of ice, lost control and crashed violently into a tree. The silence of the accident belied its gravity. There was the crumbling of thin metal, then the sound of the driver's forehead striking the windshield, and then total quiet. For a moment, Adam sat motionless in shock. He listened intently, but could not hear any sound of breathing. Reaching over to feel the old man's pulse, he knew this was merely a pretext to touch his mentor for the last time. The awareness came with a slow agony. He's dead. My friend, my teacher, he's dead. And it's all my fault. A cry emerged from him like the howl of a wounded animal. He was still sobbing when the squad cars came. His phone rang. It was Tony. It was on the eleven o'clock news, she explained. Are you okay? Not really, he replied bitterly. I should have been driving. There was silence. Tony did not know what to say. Finally, she asked, When's the funeral? Tuesday morning. Would it be all right if I came? But you didn't even know him. Funerals are for the living, not the dead, she replied. I realize that, but I have to look after Lissell. I know, she answered gently. But somebody has to take care of you. There was a momentary pause. Thanks, Tony, he whispered. I'd appreciate that. It was in the evenings that Adam missed his teacher most. The coldness of the Boston winter was intolerable without the warmth of Max Rudolph's intellect and friendship. Work was the only palliative, and Adam threw himself heart and soul into his mentor's last and most important project. For Adam was now afire with an all-consuming dream. He wanted to complete this work so that he could mount the podium in Stockholm and tell the world, this award belongs to Max Rudolph. When Harvard lured Ian Cavanaugh from Oxford to take over Max Rudolph's chair and the directorship of the lab, the staff naturally transferred its allegiance and proceeded with research as usual. Though Lissell urged him to be conciliatory, Adam kept a cool distance. He had great difficulty bringing himself into the office where the Englishman lorded over the domain that had once been Max Rudolph's. Ignoring Lissell's protestations that he had better things to do, he insisted on taking her to dinner at least once a week. She was touched and flattered and made every effort to succeed her husband as Adam's counselor. Have lunch with the man. Kavanaugh's first rate, and it won't take him long to recognize your abilities. I'm afraid it's too late for that, Adam replied dejectedly. Apparently, because of financial restraints, he's had to slash my next year's budget and my salary in half. Excuse me while I revise my opinion of him, Lissell said angrily. He's probably intimidated by you, but you mustn't let him make you resign. Do some clinical work to bolster your income. She placed her hand firmly on his arm. Just promise you won't give up. No, Lissell, I won't. This is something I've got to do for Max. No, she said emotionally. You have to do it for yourself. To make up the shortfall in his salary, Adam signed on as a supervisor in obstetrics at the Lying Inn. This meant that the senior men could rest secure while the residents handled the routine cases, with Adam close by to step in for the emergencies. Moreover, since the terms of Adam's new employment required him merely to be in the medical school area, he could actually work in the lab, able to sprint to the delivery rooms of either the Lying Inn or Brigham in less than five minutes. 
and whenever he was dejected by the enormity of his research, the part-time job gave him an emotional uplift. His spirits were always buoyed by the sight of the newborns, wriggling, wailing, red-faced creatures destined to change the world of their new parents, and perhaps even change the world. As the months passed, Lissell had begun to come to terms with her loss, at least enough to realize that Adam had not. Trust me, Adam, Max wouldn't have wanted you to retreat from life. You're a young man. You should be thinking about your own babies, not just other people's. Incidentally, how do things stand between you and that nice girl from Washington? Adam shrugged. What can I say? I'm here, she's there. Geography just about sums it up. Why don't you see if you can dislodge her? When he got home that night, he telephoned Washington and invited himself for the weekend.